Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome into SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me as well. We're getting you ready for week number four in the Southeastern Conference. I guess we talked on Tuesday at that point. Uh, I guess Vanderbilt and Missouri was about to get postponed or had been postponed LSU and uh, Florida postponed as well but we still have some games to talk about we still have some things to talk about we'll get you uh we'll talk a little nfl maybe at the end of the show we're gonna talk about arch manning here in just a minute because he was on espn two last night the high school sophomore you might recognize the last name uh getting a ton of attention after his performance last night on national television so we'll talk about that in a minute first chris how you doing Neil, I am doing well. I'm excited by the weekend. Got some good games on uh, Friday night and uh, some good matchups. Obviously, the the great matchup, Georgia-Alabama, and just excited to talk about it. We're, we're going to miss a couple of those games, well, particularly Florida-LSU. Uh, we'll get into that, and kind of uh, certainly LSU probably catches a break as they were headed in, not only not playing well, but uh, going to be without their starting quarterback if that game had taken place. And I'm just noticing on our, our scroll that I've got to go back and adjust some TV networks because of the LSU Florida game when it got eliminated off the uh, off the schedule they had to shuffle a little bit. So now Ole Miss and Arkansas shift from ESPN two to SEC Network and Mississippi State and and Texas A and M shift from SEC Network to ESPN. So there's the there's the shift there for people that are. Planning your day. If you're if you have Direct TV and you you hit the guide button, there's a decent chance that tomorrow they're not going to have some of it right. So don't panic. <laughs> All of the games are on. You just might have to search a little, but you know where to go. ESPN, SEC Network. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be there. There's no ESPN two game now. I don't think uh, now that the two games are are uh, are off the slate. All right, Chris. We're gonna get to the games. There's there's five games to get to. Uh, Kentucky is at Tennessee. Auburn is at South Carolina. We mentioned Ole Miss at Arkansas, Texas A&M at Mississippi State, and then, of course, Georgia at Missouri. We'll get to those games in a little bit. We'll get some other things, too. So I woke up this morning. Um, I wasn't glued to ESPN2 last night. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly someone who's very interested in politics. I'm very interested in presidential campaigns, that kind of thing. And so I, I watched uh, – both candidates had town halls, and so I watched some of their town halls. So I say all that to say that I didn't see all of Arch Manning's performance. But I woke up this morning, and I saw some things on Twitter from some national people talking about Arch Manning and how they believe that ESPN um, 
is 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 at least flirting with the maybe it's not the idea, Chris, but flirting with the prospect of, for lack of a better word, LeBroning Archman. <laughs> and for the people who don't remember that, uh, for the people who don't remember that. Arch Manning, I mean, LeBron James, as a high schooler, everyone knew he was a phenom. You knew that, assuming that his health held, that he was going to be one of the great basketball players in NBA history. And he certainly is and has been. They they knew that, and so they started showing some of his games in high school. And they showed, obviously, his McDonald's All-American game, and they followed him, and they did a lot of, of LeBron James content. And... You know, if you watch much of the ESPN talking heads, you know that on a slow day, they can just break out a LeBron debate and, and it's, it captivates people. And so um, there, there's talk that this is about to happen with Arch Manning because they think, A, obviously he's got the big name, Archie Manning's grandson, Peyton and Eli Manning's nephew. Um, so there's a lot there. And then obviously to do it, he's got to be, potentially great so you've watched him how good is this kid for a high school sophomore he's really good um you know i'm constantly amazed i know i'm getting old because i I tend to notice things a little differently than i did 20 years ago but so i've i've gone um been invited to the manning passing academy every year and usually a guest speaker this past year no um in fact, I don't even know if they had it. They didn't. Um, it. I don't even, you know, but um, for obvious reasons, you know, I mean, I, I assume they didn't, but I, I wasn't going to be able to go anyway. Um, but so I've seen him. But I mean, I, I'm like, you know, what the hell happened? Did y'all feed him Miracle Grow? What's the deal there? Because you know, I mean, I, I think of him as a kid. Of course, I can remember Peyton and Eli as you know, freckle faced kids and cooper and and so now they're all grown and this is cooper's kid he um he's 6'2 195 and i haven't seen him since he's been 6'2 195 in person but he's really filled out he's really growing and let's remind folks class of 2023 um so growing is still there he reminds me of his namesake of archie he moves better than Peyton or Eli ever did. I mean, he's got mobility and he's got arm talent. Now, obviously as all the advantages of being around football people and, you know, being able to get even personalized coaching and extra in all the things that you're going to do and how do you break down tape and the ability to maybe to get the technology that other kids don't. So he has, the chance. And I, I don't know the kid, obviously, you know, I'm assuming he's going to be a gym rat. We shouldn't make that assumption because some kids just at some point say, look, I, I like football, but I don't love it as much as you did dad or you did uncle Eli or Peyton. So I, I don't want to assume anything, but if the assumption is he truly like has this passion He's got every advantage that, uh, well, even the others didn't because Eli and Cooper and and, and uh, Peyton had Archie, but Archie was not a, you know, he was kind of a hands-off, and if they needed something, they came to him, but he didn't push him. And I don't, I'm not saying that Cooper or anybody's pushing this kid, but, you know, this kid has kind of every resource imaginable 
because he's younger and uh, he's got a lot of talent and uh, it, yeah, there's going to be a lot of hype. And I would imagine if you didn't get a chance out there to see him play on TV, um, don't worry about it. Cause you're probably going to see a lot more of it <laughs> this year and then in future years. So I think it's going to be a great storyline because he's a great talent to watch him develop because he is so young. And yet there's going to be a recruiting process that didn't take place with LeBron that this is going to be a whole lot of fun. So everybody's already hit me with where is he going to go? And I'm like, again, class of 2023, who the hell is going to be coaching where by December of 2023 or 2022 in February? I mean, it's like, I mean, I hope I'm alive to see it. So let me ask you this, because there's some rumblings and and I want to emphasize these are just rumors. But there are rumblings that, you know, academically, you see lots of kids now leave midway through their senior year and start college sure. a, a year early or a, a semester early, I should say. There's some rumblings that academically he could graduate next year. If he were to speed his calendar a year, where would he rank with the class of 22 quarterbacks that you've seen? He'd rank, uh, he'd rank really well. The the kid I like is out of California, the Murphy kid. I'd put him in that group. The, the thing is, though, you can't really rush it because even though he could do that, I just think the physical maturity, I mean, you know, you just got to let the body kind of develop a little bit. I mean, he's just, um, yeah, he's advanced and he, he probably has a better understanding of the game of kids that are in college now because of what we just talked about, but I'd be surprised. I don't know, but I'd be surprised if they would rush him now getting there early. You know, I think academically, you know, I mean, I, you do things now, like I've, I've got a nephew. I just found out yesterday that he's going to go into college and he's going to be like a junior in college. I mean, it's like they're taking so much advanced stuff. That's what you're talking about. So I could see them really working the angle of, look, let's advance you academically, but let's not rush you physically. And let's not put you in a college environment before you mentally or physically prepared for that. Because he's not only going to, I mean, the physical development needs to take place. You know, it's easy to say, well, he's been around all the hype and all that. That's not going to be easy, Neil, for a guy like that to have to deal with, you know, because he's going to get more hype than than Archie, certainly, and even more than Peyton and Eli because he's the nephew of and the grandfather of, and I, I think that's going to be, to me, something that, I would think they'd want to be protective of him to some degree. At least that's what they did with Eli and Peyton as much as they could. What are you hearing down there about where he ends up? Well, my thing again, where would he go? I mean, first thing that comes to mind, and I go to like Peyton and Eli. Those kids grow, grew up hearing about, thinking about, watching SEC football. I mean, that that – I think at least for Peyton, I don't think playing pro football. I mean, saw so his dad. I think it was like the goal was to play SEC football, and then it came later. Obviously, I I would be very surprised. We got to start in the SEC because I just think now would I rule out a great program? Would I rule out you know 
a, a Clemson or something want to get. I, I have no idea if he'd have any interest, but just off the top, I would say SEC. Um, I do think this. Uh, we, we let's start at Ole Miss. Let's assume Lane Kiffin's still there, because listen, if Lane has success, he's going to have other opportunities. Is he's going to want to stay? You know, if he's there, all right. Let's address the elephant in the room. Archie Mapayton wasn't real big on Lane Kiffin, That's not it. real, and then Archie wasn't because through Peyton, so to speak. And Eli was kind of indifferent, but, you know, they kind of were a close family. So, you know, they kind of rely on, well, Peyton view. Now, um, anybody that studied Lane and you know Lane and, you know, I've known Lane since he was young and I know his dad really well. Lane has appeared to mature in, in person. And I think he's the type of guy that, he could grow on them and to, to where maybe some of the ill feelings that were had as you get to know Lane and Lane is kind of self-deprecating and he's kind of a, uh, a wry sense of humor. So I, I could see that. Um, and if there's no obstacles there and Lane's still there as a football coach and a developer of quarterbacks, that certainly would make a whole lot of sense. I don't ever see, I don't ever see a Manning going to LSU. I just, I don't see it. And you know, there's oh, Ed, I, Ed, I got a good. I just, I just, that's just not likely to ever happen. Now you don't know the kids. Sometimes kids can be Neil. I don't have kids. You speak up here. Sometimes kids say if it's you say as a dad, it's white, it's black, it's but you know, and maybe it's not your kids. I just don't see that ever really being something that would be in the mix. Who else? I don't see uh, a Nick Saban that's too far down the road. And I think the chances of Nick Saban being your coach by the time you finish. So I, I, I think you'd have to look SEC and I'd probably look at Ole Miss right now, but the, the honest answer, it's too early. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen and I don't see him going not going to go out west. I don't see him going to, you know, a, another great program somewhere. I, I see him probably in the SEC and 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 uh, I don't I don't I people have said, "Would he go to Duke with Cut? Cut's not going to be there." I mean, Cut is is trying yeah. to make his exit to it and he wouldn't go to Duke anyway with with Cut. Cuz he wants to, you know. I'll tell you what I hear on him and and again, like you said, it's very early and a lot could change and it's college football and a lot you know, usually does change. People move around, coaches leave, all, all those kinds of things happen. I hear a lot of Ole Miss. I hear a lot of Tennessee. And then you hear a little bit of other places. But you hear Ole Miss and you hear Tennessee. And there is no doubt that what you said is true. Peyton uh, held some animus towards Lane Kiffin for the way that he uh, departed Tennessee. I am told that that has sort of been resolved, that the family – is all good now. Uh, you know, they, they, they're up here a lot. Obviously, Archie and, and Olivia uh, are in Oxford a lot. Eli was here throughout a lot of the pandemic. Now, he is, I think, either sold or is selling his home here because he's going to be up in New Jersey um, more full-time because his kids are school age now. His kids are in school. So, But, you know, he's got enough money to – he can get a place in Oxford if he needs to get one. It'll be okay. Um, 
And Cooper's here a lot, you know, of the, of the three boys, Cooper's probably the one that the biggest Ole Miss fan, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. It, it's, um, it's, it, I've, I've said for a while, it's a potential line of demarcation for Lane Kiffin down the road. This is year zero. And, and obviously 2021 will be, you know, year, year one and year two in 2022. That's when you'll have to get that done. And, and if, if he signs Arch Manning, Obviously, everything's going great, and if he doesn't sign Arch Manning, either everything is not going so great, or he's landed a kid like the California kid that you just talked about, and they didn't take him. The kid didn't come because there was somebody already that good there. So it'll be interesting. It's one to watch. I found the media portion of it to be the most fascinating. That ESPN has already, according to some sources, ESPN has already had those kinds of conversations of hey, this could be an eyeball attractor. This could be a money maker. We could latch ourselves, if you will, to this young man and take it all the way through potentially to what LeBron has done, where you're all the way into the into the um into the NFL. So that's what's uh that's what's kind of uh kind of interesting. You got our our I'll switch our overlay. Yeah, sorry, I got disconnected here quickly. No, I, I think it's um it's gonna be real interesting to see uh as it goes forward. I do think, you know, because of Cooper's, you know, obviously affinity for Ole Miss, people who don't know, Cooper was the older brother. Cooper was the guy that um, you know, had a neck injury and he's very, 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 very tied into Ole Miss and really is more of an alum more than anybody. And, uh, and, and, a, and a fan, uh, Eli is too, you know, Peyton <clears throat> went to Tennessee. Um, I, I think it really will depend a lot on who the coach is and who's coaching them, quarterback coach. And, and I, that's why I think Lane has a real opportunity uh, to accomplish this. You know, it was just kind of, it fell into place with Cut going to Ole Miss and being the coach at Ole Miss. So it was an Ole Miss situation. And is also somebody that Peyton really endorsed, man, this is the guy you want to coach him. That That's going to be a big part. And I, I think that the younger version, one of the younger versions um, of developing a quarterback, Lane is very good at that. And he happens to be at Ole Miss. And if things stay well there and he chooses to stay there, then – I would absolutely think that would be the favorite. And I think everybody else is trying to figure it out. But who else could get into the mix is probably going to depend upon how successful and who the quarterback coach is. I think those things are going to be really important because they won't say that, you know, may not put it this way publicly, but but certainly the pro future and the development is something they really want. Um, you know, we got uh, – I know uh, D.R. Evans said could – UGA be a possibility. No, I wouldn't think Georgia would be a possibility unless Georgia would end up being kind of like where Clemson is, where they make changes. They recruit good quarterbacks at Georgia, but that I can tell you the Mannings are going to be, do you throw the football? How well do you throw it? How well do you teach the passing game? That's not what Georgia does currently. Again, class of 2023, a lot of things could change positively and negatively, but it's going to be fun and it's going to be a storyline. And I agree with you. It's going to be almost soap opera-ish when it comes to where he's going to go. What's the latest, yada, 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 so on and so forth. All right, let's get into the games. Cause there's, uh, there's some interesting games. And of course there's the big national game. that could be the, as you mentioned on Tuesday, the first of three meetings 
between these two teams. And since we last talked, uh, Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID-19. He, as of this morning, from what I read, will not be at the stadium. He will not be able to be in communication with his staff starting 90 minutes before the contest. I don't think he's particularly happy with that. And quite frankly, I don't blame him. I think there's a there's a better way to do this. But regardless, we'll get to that story in a minute. Let's start with Kentucky at Tennessee. It's an interesting game. Tennessee played Georgia extremely well for a half, and then Georgia popped them, which they've done to kind of everybody. Kentucky got off the uh, got off the snide a little bit after losing to Auburn, after losing to Ole Miss in overtime. They uh, blow out Mississippi State. Kentucky at Tennessee, this 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. Kenny, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, you know, um, one thing in the first couple of weeks in Kentucky's defense, their inability to create turnovers were a little bit of a problem, and it, it kind of contributed to, you know, along with other things, them falling a little short. They were able to get some turnovers against Mississippi State last week. Um, you know, I think that's going to be pivotal. <clears throat> Jared Garantano and protecting the football is going to be really important. It always is, of course. I do think Tennessee's going to respond. This is kind of a, a mental toughness check. As you play well early, if you're Tennessee, you get to the point where, okay, you get humbled by Georgia. Um, now how do you respond? You, you, you know the old saying, don't let Georgia beat you twice. Uh, come in, establish yourself on the offensive line. The offensive line did not fare well against Georgia at all. I think Tennessee's offensive line personally is a better run blocking unit than pass blocking unit, but they didn't do either grade out very well either last week. Uh, that's going to be the key. And I think protecting the football, I think Tennessee is a little better and I think should win the game. Uh, but this is to me a very intriguing game because I do think this is a little bit closer than maybe the season thus far might indicate certainly last week at this time people would have said oh Tennessee clearly I don't think it's Tennessee clearly I didn't think it was Tennessee clearly a week ago I expected Tennessee to get humbled in the second half by Georgia I think they rebound I think they win um but you know I think this is a close one and uh, we'll see um you know Kentucky's uh, in a in a tough spot not playing their best ball they're going to need to play their best ball to win this game yeah, I, I thought Kentucky looked a lot better defensively yes. on, on um, against Mississippi State, but it goes kind of one-dimensional. You don't have to defend the run against Mississippi State. You can do a lot. It's a lot easier if you know how to play it. It kind of got a little overshadowed that Kentucky struggled offensively in that game. They yep. they, they didn't need to score literally, literally, and, and so they it, it kind of uh, it kind of got overlooked. But they're gonna have to defend the run this week. They're going to have to it's why it's a challenge. And at some point, uh, they, they're going to have to add some some passing to their to yep. their attack. Yeah, and that's why I like Tennessee is a little bit more balanced. And quite frankly, Kentucky's offensive line is very good. Tennessee's offensive line has talent. Um, that's going to be the interesting matchup to watch, which offensive line can assert itself. I like Tennessee's ability to run the football better. And quite frankly, even with Jared Garantano's limitations, they still got a little bit more chance to take advantage. They can move the safeties off the middle of the field. Tennessee's the one that could advance the football in the passing game a little bit more than Kentucky. That's why I like Tennessee a little bit more, and uh, they're at home. All right, Auburn uh, coming off of a escape. <laughs> I don't know the word for it. I've watched that video so many times now, and I'm like, I don't – Live, I would have missed it too, but with the benefit of a replay, you're like, man, Arkansas got screwed. 
Auburn, a uh, three-point favorite. They go to South Carolina. That game also at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. You can see it on ESPN. Big opportunity for Will Muschamp and the Gamecocks. Uh, I think Auburn's the better team, but Auburn did not look good in the second half against Arkansas, and it's hard to completely put that out of your mind, Chris. Yeah, it is. Um, You know, and South Carolina took care of business against Vanderbilt, but, you know, this South Carolina team's going to fight you, and – you know, this Auburn team, this is a huge game. Um, th- there's a lot of heat right now on both coaches. There always tends to be in the SEC, but these coaches are feeling a lot of heat by their respective fan bases. I-, I think in particular Auburn, if they were to lose this game, there's a perception, real or, you know, fair or not, they should win this game. They lose this game. This is just going to be tough. This is – this Auburn team has to play better, though. I thought that South Carolina made some improvements, albeit against a weak competition last week. I don't know. This is, the, to me, the most in, you know intriguing – well, it's one of the most intriguing games. I know we got Georgia-Alabama, but this game's really intriguing for that reason. It is <laughs> absolutely too. important. They're all important. Man, this is a, for the quality of life of the head coach. Man, this this game is the most important Um of all of them, even with all the pressure on Kirby, this is that's just not going to be really good for the Luther this game. From a matchup standpoint, um, Arkansas had success in the air against Auburn. Can South Carolina replicate that from what you've seen of the game? You time? know, they actually a little bit. I mean, I think that they can throw the football uh, effectively. I think that um, Hill's doing a pretty good job. I do think I do think you can move the football on this Auburn's defense. Um, you know, I, I also think that South Carolina can have success defensively to create field position uh, because Auburn's really struggled on the offensive line pass protection. So it's a it's a real problem, no question about it. In, in my mind, I, I I think South Carolina's got a really good chance here, uh, getting a, a little point, a, a few points. I think they got a pretty good chance. Uh, Ole Miss heads to Arkansas. The Rebels, about a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite, depending on your uh, betting book of preference. That game is at Fayetteville Reynolds Razorback Stadium, 2.30 Central Time. You can see it on the SEC Network. It was originally going to be on ESPN2. It was one of the games that got shuffled with the LSU-Florida cancellation. Uh, Both teams, you know, I I know they're both one and two. These are the – two happiest one and two fans <laughs> in the country yeah. you know i mean if you're if you're an old miss fan you're thrilled with what you're seeing out of lane kiffin especially on offense and just with the way the program has become relevant again and if you're an arkansas fan this has been an exciting time after god i don't know how many years of just being miserably bad and arkansas last year was just awful just awful and they frankly they quit multiple times this team does not quit they had Georgia down in the third quarter. Obviously, they didn't have the personnel to hang on against Georgia, and it's, it's debatable whether anybody does, but they didn't. They go to Mississippi State and win. They go to Auburn down 17 to nothing in the second quarter. Last year's Arkansas team loses that game 34-7. to This year's Arkansas team fought back, took a 28-27 lead, and should have won the football game. It really speaks volumes for the jobs that Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman have done at those two programs, it's going to be good weather. It's going to be windy. It's one, one interesting thing to keep an eye on. I know this because my wife and, and daughter are heading up to Fayetteville as we speak. 
and they were looking at the forecast. It's going to be a gorgeous day there today, but a front's moving through tomorrow. Not not going to be wet, but it's going to be a lot of wind up there, mm. and uh, that could impact the the passing game for for both teams. And both teams kind of lean on the pass as much as Sam would like to run the football. They they've done their damage when they've done it in the air so far. Yeah, I think this game is really fun because this is one game that I've looked at for a couple of years and thought, you know, this is just like, okay, yeah, I'm going to watch it. Got to watch it or watch the tape. I'm looking at players or what have you, but I'm really excited because of the the direction of both those programs. I full disclosure, I'm not a fan background scout and coaching. I want everybody to do well. It's just common sense that some people are going to struggle relatively speaking. I'm as, you know, I'm, I'm pleased as punch that both these teams are, you know, playing well. I just think it comes down to this. I think Ole Miss just scores too many points, and I don't think Arkansas can keep up with that. I think Arkansas has to control the football and run the football and keep – you've got to limit Ole Miss's possessions by at least one per half or you got no real shot here because I think that you know, people will say, well, but Barry Odom did a good job against Mississippi State. That's a completely different style and pace of offense. So Ole Miss will score some points. I think Ole Miss will have to put the ball on the ground a little bit. I think that uh, I think Arkansas has got to muddy it up a little bit. I think Arkansas can score on Ole Miss. I do. But I think being able to maximize possession time getting seven points in slower increments is the game plan here. It's the ideal plan. You take it when you can get it, but Arkansas can't do what Alabama did and just match points and match points and match points, uh, even against Ole Miss's defense. They're going to have drops. They don't have as many playmakers. So to me, I just think it's Ole Miss. I think it's just too much explosiveness, and it may be shootout-ish. I just think that if you get – if Ole Miss can get to an early lead, then you increase the chances of Arkansas making some mistakes, and then maybe you know maybe the game can separate. Other than that, I think it'll be a shootout type of game. Ole Miss Alabama was a lot like a, a tennis match where you've got a young, one of the young up and coming stars of the game with the power serve going up against Rafa Nadal, and once Nadal broke serve. And it didn't happen in this case until the fourth quarter. But once Nadal broke serve, you're like, well, that's that. I'm not sure that Arkansas has the power serve to keep up with Ole Miss's power serve. I'm kind of like you. I think it's a high-scoring game, but I think Ole Miss is more equipped to win one of those track meet sort of games than Arkansas is. Yeah, I, that's what I agree. I mean, I, I just think Ole Miss is their strength. I like what Sam's done. I think, I think it's been – I've actually been – impressed and I think they're better defensively and in, in how they're playing, how are they leveraging the run and how they're playing situational defense is better than Ole Miss's. But I think Ole Miss's offense is just too much here. We'll get to the rest of the slate, including the big one in just a minute. But the pod, I want to tell you this podcast is also brought to you by Jupiter Security Systems. They're based in Madison, Mississippi, and Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with a help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offer businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email and spam protection, and they monitor your workstations and servers. 
Jupiter doesn't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location, so don't spend money on getting your employees' new laptops to work remotely. Instead, let Jupiter monitor their home computers and protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable with a flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more information, call Eric at 601-519-9583 or email info, I-N-F-O, at jupitersecurity.net. You can also go to jupitersecurity.net. We're also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience, and they'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. All right, Chris, uh, back into the games. Texas A&M coming off that big win over Florida. They head to Mississippi State. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The game kicks off at 3 p.m. It's now on ESPN. I got to be honest, I, I've, I've – it's recency bias, but you watch that Mississippi State offense against Arkansas, and then you watch it against Kentucky, and you think, I don't know, man. I don't see how this team beats Texas A&M right now. We talked about Texas A&M earlier in the week. Kind of looked like they found an identity a little bit against Florida, taking charge of that game in, in the second half. The line six and a half, I think Texas A&M covers this thing easily. Yeah, I think this is, again, this is a game for A&M. Okay, you You've not played well in the early part of the season. Uh, get blown out by Alabama. Really look very poorly against Vanderbilt. Come out, play well against Florida. Statement win. People are counting you out. That that's that's great. Now, if you're going to be, you know, a program that is going to work your way towards the upper echelon of the conference, you got to handle prosperity. So you come in and you 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 go on the road. After a big win, you're a target team, targeted team. How do you respond? What now? Uh, Mississippi State's talented. I think they're, quite frankly, their inability to run one of the best backs in the country, and they don't even run them, and they don't believe in the run. And I don't have the confidence, knowing Mike Leach as long as I have, that he's going to change or adjust. I think this is a one-dimensional team. I think Mike Elko is going to have a really good game plan. I am wondering if the embarrassment to this point will maybe invoke some changes in Mike. He may not admit it. I do think that Mississippi State is capable of playing with AM and and capable of winning this game. I just don't know that they're going to be able to do it. I think um, – AM played very well on the offensive line last week. They're going to have to play really well again this week. In fact, I do think that Mississippi State's defensive front is not bad at all, and, and you've got to really sustain your blocks even more than you had to do against Florida. So I think this is a challenge. I'm with you. I like AM thus far. You know, Jimbo's, you know, 
all the games he's lost have been teams that are better. I can't sit there and say Mississippi State's better. I think they're they're talent wise, they're not too far behind AM, but this would be the first game that Jimbo loses to a team that has less talent at AM. Um I, I think AM wins here. And and I I just I, I wish I could have more confidence in Mississippi State being able to play towards some of the strength of their team, but I until I see it, it's kind of hard to get excited about it, anticipating it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. I get it completely. All right, here we go. Uh, Georgia, third ranked in the country. They're heading to Alabama. While you're talking in a minute, I'll pull up the latest lines because I'm curious to see where this line has moved. I've been too busy <laughs> to even look. It was four and a half when the news, <clears throat> broke, when the news broke that Nick Saban tested positive for COVID-19 and would not be at the game Saturday. Games at 7 o'clock in Tuscaloosa there at Bryant-Denny, uh, CBS. I'll start with this. Obviously, Nick Saban doesn't play. He doesn't throw passes. He doesn't make tackles. But when you think Alabama football, you think Nick Saban. How big of an issue is it, if at all, for Alabama that Nick Saban's not on that sideline on Saturday night? Well, I think it's big um, because I think in terms of crucial decisions, if it comes to that, that having him there, I think also having an impact on his coaches to, you know, there's a lot that goes on in communication. I, you know, uh, strong suggestions, I like to call it, you know, a really keen observer right there in the game that can communicate, you know, we really need to look at it. Their three technique is having a hard time. Really need to be looking at running. And okay, so that's kind of the hint that we'll, we'll do. And and I think having that keen set of eyes is big. It helps the play caller. It doesn't interfere. It gives some suggestions and some ideas. Well, but coach, I think okay, you know, and you just kind of go through that. And I think certainly that's going to be lost. I think any big decisions. Certainly, they will discuss things beforehand, but that's going to fall on Steve Sarkeesian, who's been a head coach and has done these things before. Uh, so I think it's a factor. I mean, I, look, if it wasn't a factor, then head coaches just stay home every week. Of course, it's a factor. Um, is it going to be the deciding factor? I, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's a bigger story because it's Nick Saban and it's just, Oh my God. I mean, what's the over and under? Are they, are they, is he going to allow them to have a, a camera ESPN uh, or is it a CBS? Um, he's got the game uh, primetime. You think there'd be a camera in his, in his home office? He, only if they don't allow it. Cause you know, oh, CBS, is, yeah. CBS is saying, I, I, can we get a camera? At least can we just, we'll talk to you before the game or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's you know, it's a big story. It's the storyline. He's not here. It's that's the I I think that's obviously going to be more blown up more than the impact of the game. He still has an impact in the practice. He'll still have impact in the meetings. It's just that ninety percent, ninety percent, ninety minutes before the game, the communication is is cut off. So, look, I still think it comes down to this. Um. Alabama's offense can be very explosive. If they can get some early points like Tennessee did last week, it's going to be a lot tougher than Tennessee uh, for Georgia to come back on Alabama. It was on Tennessee. I, I think that Alabama wants to get some early points and force Georgia more into the passing game. I think the whole key folks is watch this. 
Um, watch how Alabama has to defend the run. If they've got to bring one of their safeties down to defend the run, they will. But doing that is going to open up the post route and the slant route for Georgia and will enhance their chances of having some success in a passing game. If Georgia's got to throw against split safeties most of the game, it's going to be tough for them. Uh, Meaning if Alabama can defend the run with seven, big advantage there. And that's that's the real key. I I think that strength versus strength is what people are going to be looking at. Alabama's offense, Georgia's defense. But I do think it's it's probably going to be ultimately decided on the other end is who can step up Georgia's offense, Alabama's defense. And I do think Alabama's defensive ability, which people will say, oh, but against Ole Miss, got to play better. They're going to play completely different defensively than they did against Ole Miss. I'm not saying that Georgia won't have comparable success. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. It will not look the same. Georgia doesn't run the same offense. Nothing. In fact, the complete opposite of what Ole Miss does. So Alabama will be able to get lined up. Alabama will be able to make checks, how well they tackle, how well they set the edge in the run game. All those things are going to be pivotal. But doing it with with a huddle and time as opposed to having to do it on skates against Ole Miss is a completely different discipline. And so I'm curious to see. That's where the game is going to be decided, how well Georgia's offense against Alabama's defense. Strength versus strength is the where the fun part's going to be strength you know looking at it but I think it's going to be ultimately decided on the other end. You surprised that still Stetson Bennett at quarterback this far into the season. No. 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 Had- well, how do I, you know, how do I answer that? I I I am not there in practice every day. So I look, here's the thing. Bennett obviously wasn't the answer they maybe thought he was. JT Daniels hasn't been healthy enough. So this whole thing, uh, he's beaten out. I No, I, I to fit what Kirby wants, protecting the football, make good decisions, I'm not surprised. Now, the answer is if they struggle in a game like this, if they can't, if they need to make more plays and they can't do it, is JT ready? That's what I don't know because I'm not at practice or I'm not at meetings. The reason that, I the reason I ask Chris is that I've I've watched Alabama a lot over the last several years. I was in Alabama when Nick Saban got the job. Obviously, you saw how Lane Kiffin changed their offense. You see all of those things. There's one way to beat Alabama consistently, and that's it. And from what I've seen, because I've covered a couple of teams that did it in the regular season, you beat them. Throwing the football down the field, you beat them vertically. You beat them with tempo, but you beat them with an arm. You don't see people with the possible exception of Johnny Manziel. You don't see running quarterbacks beat them. You don't see rushing attacks beat them. Who's beaten them in the regular season in the SEC? Cam Newton beat them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Wallace beat them. Chad Kelly beat them. Um. I guess Nick Marshall beat them. That was a different deal. I'm trying to think of who all is beating them because they don't lose much. Uh, Joe Burrow beat them. Um, who beats them? It's quarterbacks throwing the ball down the field, stretching their defense. I don't see that with Bennett and Georgia. And if I'm watching this and thinking, okay, can Georgia win? Georgia defensively is, is good enough to win the game, but that Alabama offense is so balanced. If Trevor Lawrence weren't playing football this year, 
Mac Jones right now today would be the leading candidate for the Heisman. And they've got all these receivers, Smith and and uh, uh, the, the the return kid whose name escapes me all the time. You you've got Najee Harris in the backfield. You've got all these weapons. They're good at tight end. They've got a very good offensive front that keeps a clean pocket that can ru- run block. So they're going to score points. I question whether Georgia can score enough to beat Alabama with an offense that just does not stretch the field vertically. And it do- they don't run the tempo. The tempo drove Alabama crazy last week. I mean, it, it, they, they like to make those positional replacements. They like to get fresh bodies on the field, off the field. They like to, to you know, have a, a third down defense. A, 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 you know what I'm talking about. They like to have personnel groupings to get them on the field because they have all of that deep talent. Lane Kiffin didn't allow that to happen because they dictated the tempo and they just kept moving the ball, even to the point that Alabama was doing a couple of the little fake crampy things, you know, to, to try to get their personnel on the field. I just don't know that Georgia can do that to them. That's that's the reason I sometimes look at it. And like you, I'm not at their practice. I don't know whether Daniels is healthy, whether he looks good, whether he looks awful. I don't know. I'm a little surprised, though, week four, that it's Stetson Bennett's still at quarterback because I don't think he can do to Alabama what traditionally teams have had to do to Alabama to win the game. Yeah, and it, it tells me that that JT's not ready yet and I don't I didn't expect for example them to make a quarterback change going into this game um I thought if there was a quarterback ready and they would have been able to do that a couple of weeks ago would have been different look I think against Alabama you got to keep them off schedule I think that you've got to mix and match the tempo um quarterbacks that can run to throw give them trouble I mean that that's where their 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 coverage lanes get get creased a little bit, and that becomes a problem for them. So, look, I I don't know that Georgia's going to have enough offense here, and I don't I don't think Georgia's defense, as good as it is, can just completely stop Alabama. I think that Alabama will get some. They Alabama's offense has answers: inside run, outside run, screen game quick three-step game, um, they can throw the fade. They can throw the fade stop. They can clear the middle of the field with the run if they're able to do it. And, again, same thing applies. Does Georgia have to put an extra safety in the box? Well, <laughs> that opens up the post and a slant for big plays. Uh, if not, then then we'll you know, run curls underneath. And, you know, you've got, got a lot of answers offensively. And Alabama's offense is humming. And it's got – Real no weakness, really no weakness, and a very good offensive line. And I will say this. I broke down the personnel on LandryFootball.com in the matchup, and I you know, I do that, and I grade, and I look, and I looked up, and I'd be damned if every offensive position was Alabama and edge, every defensive position, Georgia and edge. I mean, it just came out that way, and I wasn't – you know, I just do it, just white and black, you know, just came out that. I, I think this. I think that, you know, again, the key is the ability to be able to to score early, make Georgia play from behind. That is not something that Georgia is going to be successful with because I don't think they can match points. Georgia is going to have to be able to run the football, control the game at the line of scrimmage. Or, and if they do that well enough, then that's going to, to answer your question, then, yeah, Beth, Stetson Bennett can beat you because now you vacate the middle of the field. You've got a lot of spacing and coverage. 
But you've got a pocket quarterback. You've got a stationary guy that can move a little bit. But you know where you're going, and the ball's not coming out that quick, and you're not going Temple. If I were Georgia, I would run some two-minute offense because you work on a two-minute offense. I'd run some two-minute offense in non-two-minute situations because I want to I want to get them gassed a little bit. Georgia's defense of the top 13 players graded thus far this year, nine of them are defensive linemen. Nine. They're in a heavy rotation of quality, and they can hold up, and they're very, very good. But in the end, you know, can they hold up enough, and can the offense get them enough points? That's what's going to be intriguing, and I'm not sure that they'll be able to do that. You still think this is the first of three meetings between these two teams? Well, it's the first of two for certain. I don't know about three. Um, I think it, you know, it's it's a long season. I do think there's a good possibility. Um, I think the reason what makes me hesitate on the third one is I'm pretty certain um, it's going to have to, you know, it would have to be in the national championship game because I don't think, they're going to put those teams in the semifinal game. And I haven't seen Ohio State yet, but I kind of know what I think I'm getting, and I know what Clemson is. And I think Clemson's better than both of these teams, and I think Ohio State probably will be too. So I'm going to hold off on the third meeting. I may have over. I think there's possibility there. I sure. think it's definitely two. And I think some one of these teams, maybe both, might have to upset somebody in the semifinal games to meet for a third time. How's that? Makes sense. Uh, I'm going to re-air this broadcast on Saturday morning, so I'm going to not spend a lot of time on these Friday night games. Looking around the country, there are a couple of really good Friday night games. SMU is at Tulane. BYU is at Houston. Both of those entertaining games. Just kind of looking around the rest of the country, Chris, the, the game that I was most interested in was Cincinnati and Tulsa. It's off the board because of COVID issues. Um. Liberty is at Syracuse. Liberty undefeated so far. They're Liberty actually a three-point favorite. This line, there must be an injury here. The, the line moved from Liberty plus nine to Liberty minus three, which is a hell of a jump, a 12-point shift in the line there. Hugh Freeze, it hurts me to say this, has done a pretty good job at um, at Liberty with, <laughs> with that team. Um, not, not coaching from a hospital bed no. this year. It was this game that he was in that hospital bed um, against Syracuse. So, uh, right. when Syracuse went to Lynchburg, that's right. You're right. That's right. Uh, BC Virginia tech, one of the more underrated teams this year in one of the best coaching jobs is what Jeff Halfley's done at BC. If you're tuning it on, you're going to look and say that looks like BC's uniforms, but that don't look like BC. Um, uh, Djokovic is a quarterback. They're throwing it around. They're making big plays. That's against Virginia Tech. That's a really intriguing game. Also, Pitt-Miami intrigues me outside of the SEC. Um, want, want to see. Miami let Clemson beat them twice here. Just, just be careful here. You got a good season going, Miami. Just because you're not in Clemson's class, just, you know, just just take care. I mean, I'm just curious to see. That's what I – so – um. Those Chris, things intrigue me. We we basically have got uh, one game in the Big Twelve. <laughs> there can't God bless them. They're everybody's canceled. Chris, if I had told you seven years ago, if I told you seven years ago that North Carolina 
would go to Florida State in the middle of October as a 13 and one half point favorite, what would you have said? No, I, I, I would not, uh, not have expected that. It just goes to show you, though, what a couple of situations that take place and Jimbo's frustration with the administration, kind of letting go of the rope that last year, an awful hire in Willie Taggart. Um, right now they've got some NFL caliber players on defense at Florida State that are, that are not even showing up. They got some real problems at FSU. Uh, North Carolina – can't play any defense. I do think Florida State's going to score some points in this game, but they're really, really talented. And when you ask the question, who's the second best team in the ACC? Got to throw North Carolina in the mix. Yeah. I, think, I think Notre Dame is, remember, they're in the ACC officially this year. Offensive line's good. Um, I think that might be the, you know, so, uh, no, I would not have, would not have, uh, not have believed you if you said that. It's hard to believe, really, it, it, where where that program has fallen. And there's just this assumption that because Florida State's Florida State and because they had such a run for so long that they'll just automatically get back. And I don't subscribe to that theory with any program. I'm not picking on the Seminoles here, but it's kind of like Nebraska, Tennessee to some degree. Just because you were elite once doesn't mean that you are destined to remain elite. Yeah, the only thing they've got going for them is that they've got a conference other than Clemson that they can make some hay pretty quickly and turn it around where they could be the second best program in that conference pretty soon. But here's what happened with them, you know, and and their fan base don't doesn't get this because Jimbo won a title and the facilities weren't that good. And I can remember being at LSU back when I was coaching there and we, we were at just awful facilities and we won. Well, you don't need it. Florida State. And listen, I, I can't tell you, you know, what you can afford or what you can't afford. But you had Florida State let their facilities regress. They've had poor fundraising capabilities, and they're way behind. And programs like North Carolina have better facilities. And, you know, Jimbo's problem was, hey, you want us to compete with Clemson, and we're not even on the same stratosphere as Clemson facility-wise. You, you want us to look like Auburn. You want us to look like Georgia, but we don't do anything like that facility-wise. And that is caught up with them. And that's why they went out and settled for a Willie Taggart. And that's why they lost their head coach to AM. And they don't get it. Oh, he's not going to win at AM. He's you better win at Florida State. You go to AM. Because they have the money, they have the facilities, and they're going to give you everything that Florida State doesn't. And that's why, oh, can't believe we'd go get the Memphis coach. You're lucky to have Mike Norvell because you're not getting somebody better. Mark Stoops met with you and basically told you what needed to happen, and they weren't happy with that interview, and he wasn't either, either. And so you're not getting when he can sit there and look you in the eye and say, I'm at Kentucky. I got better facilities than you do at Florida State. That needs to be understood. Chris, right now today, Kentucky's a better job than Florida State. Well, you don't have the expectations and you got you got money. A lot better facilities and got money. Yeah. And you know, Florida State's got to figure that out. And when they do and when they get it, you know, Mike Norvell will coach this team hard and coach it well and he will develop players better. But it's going to be a slow process because they've got a lot of malcontents on the roster. You know, uh, Mike Leach talked about purging 
Florida State really needs to purge, not Mississippi State. There are real problems there at Florida State. So it's a long fix, but long range, it won't get to where Clemson is unless Clemson comes back to you. You let them get too far out of the gate. Now you're trying to chase them, and it's difficult. Um, hey, uh, let's say uh, I want a, a couple of things. Yeah. Justin, thank you. Love the show, guys. Also, it's snowing in Minnesota. God bless you. It's always good for a snow in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. And McWeirdo Show, love the name. Hello, guys. I love listening to this usually after it's recorded. Happy to be here listening to the show live today. And if you don't know them, you're listening to it, Neil, on, on, on replay. You can catch us live at 9 o'clock Central every Tuesday and Friday on Twitch.tv, also on YouTube as well. So join us and join the chat room, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Hey, last five minutes or so, let's talk a uh, quick weekend in the, in the NFL. Yes, sir. A handful of really attractive games. Uh, I'm just kind of glancing through at the ones that catch my eye. And um, my Chicago Bears. Your Chicago Bears. How about that? Chicago Bears getting a point at Bear down, Chicago Bears. Go ahead. The Bears getting a point at Carolina, that game at noon on uh, on Sunday, 1 Eastern. That's a pretty fun game to watch. It is. Carolina is well coached. Matt Rule, Phil Snow, and Joe Brady getting as much out of that team. That's a rebuild that are doing a really, really good job. Be careful, Chicago, because you've won a couple of games that maybe people didn't think you'd win. Just, you know, play well, you win the game here. But you don't play really well. This team will fight you and and pull it off. That's that's intriguing. Bank those wins. There's bank them. It doesn't really matter. And at at some point, you know, they're heading towards the playoffs. You know, they keep banking these wins. Cleveland's at Pittsburgh. Oh man, it's a great game, great rivalry game. And just when you think Cleveland Pittsburgh, you think yeah, yeah, it's going to be a cold day and all that stuff. The uh, the Steelers giving three and a half points at home to uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm partial because having been a part of this, you know, it's a bus ride and, you know, Pittsburgh week. And I worked um, with the, the Browns and then I was in Houston when we were part of the AFC Central. So Steeler week was always you had a little pep in your step. I mean, the practice was a little bit crisper, but Cleveland Pittsburgh hasn't been a thing for a while. It's been more Baltimore Pittsburgh. Cleveland's starting to play well. Stefanski's doing a really good job. The defense led by Miles Garrett is really good. This Pittsburgh team, I think, is pretty good. They have not played a tough schedule, but I think they're good. This game is really fun. Um, the, the, the fact that, you know, these that, that Cleveland can make this a game or make it competitive, um, it's, it's, it hadn't happened in a long time. This is the most positive Cleveland Browns team I've seen in a while. I don't know if they're good enough to go on the road and beat Pittsburgh, but I think this will be a game. This is, to me, uh, the game that I'm most looking forward to uh, in this week's matchups. Green Bay's at Tampa Bay, the the Battle of the Bays, as Chris Berman used to say. Green Bay, a one-point favorite on the road at Tampa. The Bucks hanging in there. I mean, it's the, the, the NFC South is just kind of – everybody's just sort of jockeying for position. Yeah, no question about it. Bucks defense actually playing pretty well. Um, 
I have a feeling the Bucs will focus a lot on the running game and test that Packers run defense. Um, that's the one thing I'm still not sure about with the Pack. We'll see. Packers have played well. Aaron Rodgers has been outstanding. Um, I don't know. There may be give Green Bay a little bit of an edge with Rodgers, but I think it's going to come down to the Bucks' run game against the, the Packers' run defense. Rams giving three and a half at San Francisco. The Rams have played well. That's your Sunday night game. The two Monday games, some COVID-affected rescheduling here. Uh, with Kansas City and Buffalo, this are, it is a fun game. Kansas City uh, coming off of a loss for the first time. Kansas City, a four and a half point favorite at Buffalo. The the Bills, uh, they they stumbled last week too. And then the uh, nightcap on Monday, the Arizona Cardinals, a one point favorite at Dallas. The Cowboys playing their first game without Dak Prescott at quarterback after his broken ankle on uh, Sunday against the Giants. Yeah, you know, Buffalo was the road team in that Tuesday night game, so it's a short week for them and Tennessee, but, you know, Buffalo, um, Tennessee's at home. Buffalo had to go on the road and then come back home. That's that's a tough deal to get ready, and, I, you know, it looked like they were preparing for the Chiefs Tuesday night when they were playing against Tennessee defensively. This Bills team's pretty good, and so we'll, we'll see how this plays out, but um, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm curious to see what uh, Andy Dalton will do. This Cardinal team has been a little bit up and down. We'll see. Cowboys are going to have to be run-focused here with the uh, play better around Andy Dalton. Hey, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great show. Really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody in the stream. Uh, Jigsdad44 says, great show. Thank you, sir. We Thanks. appreciate uh, We appreciate that very much. So we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll take a look back at Georgia, Alabama, and all of the other games in the SEC, and we'll get you ready for week five in the league as uh, the SEC marches on getting close to the midway point on the season that a lot of people thought wouldn't happen. It's happening. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being part of it. Chris, have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. You too, buddy. Take care. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.